so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Amen. Amen. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. So just encourage you this morning in your hearts or even out loud, as long as you don't sing it or chant it in the building, you can say it out loud, the name of Jesus, over every trial, over every obstacle, over every illness, over every anxiety, over every fear this morning. Let's just declare the name of Jesus over it. Jesus, you are greater than every illness. We declare that you are greater than every fear. You are greater than every anxiety. You are greater than every trial and obstacle. We declare the authority of Jesus over everything we're facing right now. We declare the authority of Jesus over the coronavirus. We declare that you are greater than any virus. You are greater than a pandemic. We declare the name of Jesus over it. We pray especially for our nation that the number of cases would go into decline, that we would uh, see the suppression that our leaders are talking about. We pray especially for the state of Victoria, uh, that your hand would be upon it there, that we'd see a miracle that glorifies your name there. And Father, as those cases drop down, we pray in the name of Jesus that we'd be able to return more fully to worship you in our buildings. We'd be able to return to praising your name in song. We pray that you would call your church back, Lord, that we'd be one again together in a, in a physical gathering, Lord. We pray for those members of our church family who are unwell, thankfully, none that I know of with coronavirus itself, but we pray for those who are unwell with other things in this season. We pray that you would heal them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. It's great. Uh, It was great to have a couple of weeks of the best of YCB worship with uh, our our recorded worship over the last few months, but it was so good this morning, Uh, hopefully at home as well, but here in the building especially, uh, to have um, our worship teams back. So thank you, ladies, for leading us. It was such a great time of worship. I only wish I could have sung along with you, um, but the time will come. Um, just want to share a, a few announcements and a few testimonies before Miriam comes to read uh, the Bible reading for us this morning in a moment's time. Uh, hopefully uh, you are all receiving the email bulletin. If you are not, um, you can subscribe to that through our website. Uh, a few things to highlight though, uh, that today is the last day. I'm going to turn it off tonight to enter some input into our creating the new normal survey. So this is an opportunity to, to have your input, to have your say about what do you value about what we're missing from church life at the moment? What do you, what do you think's great about at the moment you'd like to see going forward? And what do you think could just be something different that we've got this opportunity that everything's been disrupted, just something different in the life of our church uh, that could make us more fruitful for God's kingdom. So that survey is 
closing tonight. That doesn't mean your opportunity to give feedback and input closes. Um, you can always shoot an email, you can always uh, contact me and we can talk about it, but that specific forum's closing tonight. So if you haven't yet done that, really uh, urge you and encourage you, if you're a part of this church family, no matter how you connect, uh, whether you've just you know, jumped on board with us online uh, more recently or whether you're a long-standing member of our church family, really encourage you to give your input in that way. Uh, the other thing that's happening in a, in a few weeks' time is we are going to have a church meeting. Uh, it's been a little bit difficult uh, in, in this season to have a church meeting, but now that we can have a few in our building at this stage uh, and some of us that have got a bit of practice at Zoom, we're going to have a church meeting. Uh, so there's a couple ways to connect. You can register, just like you can register to be a part in the building here for Sunday morning worship. You can register for our church meeting uh, or you can join us via Zoom. We're not going to live stream our church meeting out to the entire world. Um, you know, our, our meetings are pretty healthy, aren't they, Steve? But that's probably making a little bit too vulnerable for, for even my liking. But uh, we're going to uh, do that via Zoom so that if you can't be here physically, you've still got the opportunity to connect. That's going to be on the 23rd of August at 11.30 a.m. The details of how to register are in the bulletin. So encourage you to jump on board with that. There's lots of other things in the bulletin. Really encourage you to open it. Um, it's not the most encouraging thing I do as a pastor when I open our MailChimp thing and go, oh, 20% of people have opened their emails. So I really encourage you to open it, leave it up on your screen for five seconds, and that just gives us at least some feedback that you may not have read it, but at least we get, you know, the, the score goes up. That's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Not at all. But I do encourage you to read it. Uh, a couple testimonies. I was thinking this morning, um, Steve, I'm just chatting to you a little bit. Um, you know, you've got your, your beautiful daughter and wife and grandchildren here this morning, so I know it's a little bit distracting, but um, I, I want some attention too. Um, so uh, I was thinking this morning, I was looking at the number of people registered um, to be in church this morning, and there's 30-something uh, here with, with children and families and um we're all social distancing. Um, our singers were three metres apart. We're doing all the things we need to be doing. Um, but it just it, it reminded me that, um, and as a testimony to God, that five years ago or so, that 30-something was, was not the unusual Sunday morning here. Um, you know, because I came to the church. There were more than that, but um, I led the church backwards uh, in numbers for, for a season uh, before we started to bounce back the other way. But just was uh, a, a reminder of how much God has done over the past few years in the life of our church that um, a restricted Sunday is 30-something here in the building, and I just praise God for that. That's not about me as a leader or any of our leaders. That's a, a work of God in the life of this church. Um, and so I just want to give God glory for that, and I believe that he's continuing to lead us into a new season at the moment. Um, and so continue to pray for our church uh, that, that what God has done over the past five or six years and, and before that as well, of course, would just be the stepping stone for a greater kingdom impact. Um, the other thing I, I want to give testimony to is, is God has just been blessing the finances of our church and that's through uh, the church's giving. Uh, and so the, there was fears uh, for myself and um, uh, many when, when the restrictions started and the shutdowns came and fears about whether people would lose jobs or whether as a result then the church's finances would dry up. But we've seen exactly the opposite. Um, that the, the finances of the church, people have been more generous than ever in their giving. Um, and the exciting thing about that is not just the bank balance, uh, it's, it's the vision that gets released 
when people are sowing into the mission of the church. It shifts thoughts and ideas about what we could do from, a, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could one day do something like that, but we don't have. It shifts that to a, we have the resources now. God's given us the resources to, to reach out and to step into new areas of life and, and, and ministry as a church. And so I'm excited um, by that and I just praise God, but also just want to commend the church around your giving. It hasn't dried up. It's gone over and above, um, and uh, that is just exciting. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> praise God for that, and thank you, church. Um, so if, if you're not currently giving, uh, this is not a, a guilt trip, and, and it's, it's nice to say, all right, now we're not desperate to need your money, but there's always opportunity to invest to grow the kingdom more. And so if you're not currently giving, um, the details of how to do that are on our website, ycbc.church. You can find the details there. You can give online. Uh, if cash is the way you have to give and you want to do that, then uh, you can contact us and we can help you out with that. Um, but it's a great privilege to be able to sow into... Uh, God's kingdom financially. We're going to turn to God's word now. Uh, Miriam uh, is going to come and read for us. Uh, James, you might like to sh- uh, throw that slide for our sermon up on the screen. It's a Glassford family, uh, or two of them, working in tandem together beautifully right now. Um, Encourage you to get out a Bible now. Grab, take a moment to grab a Bible, whether it's uh, a digital one. Uh, in the building, there are some share Bibles. Um, we'll put them on a shelf for the week uh, so that no one touches them. So we're doing our coronavirus safety stuff there. If you're at home, grab a Bible. So we're not going to put all the scriptures up on the screen this week because we're taking a deep dive into John. And, and so I just encourage you to have it in front of you uh, in some form. Thanks, ma'am. Hey, Mum, I'm on TV. (laughs) In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's good will, of or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. That was John 1, verse 1 to 18. Awesome. Thanks, Miriam. Hi, Mum. I am also on TV. If you specifically choose to dial into the right YouTube channel, uh, it's a little bit different, is it? It's become much easier to be on TV. The threshold has lowered uh, in these days and uh, diversified, so that might be a good thing. Let me pray uh, as once more as we come to God's Word this morning. <clears throat> Father, you know that uh, my soul has wrestled in the last few days uh, with this morning. And so, Father, I offer up my humble offering to you this morning, knowing that it's not about my words, but about your word in more ways than one. It's about the word of your scripture, but more than that, about your living word, Jesus Christ, this morning. And so I pray this morning that you would transform us, that you would inspire us, that you would encourage us, that you would shape us by your word. And by that I mean your living word and your written word, working together in our hearts. May this morning be a pivotal moment in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Um, this morning we're starting a new series and I want to start that series by asking you uh, or to think about what's in the news. What's in the news? Uh, some of us wake up uh, in the mornings and we might not think that question or say it out loud, but it's our first question we seem to approach to answer in the mornings. What's in the news? Um, because we have our, our news machines uh, often plugged in the bed next to us. If you're less, if you're as unhealthy about this as me, sometimes it moves up to the study. It keeps finding its way back down to my bedside table to be charged plugged in and it goes out to the kitchen and it comes back. But but so often the first thing we approach in the morning is what is in the news. I want you to think about this morning, where do you get your news from? Where do you get your news from? What kind of news do you focus on? What kind of news do you focus on? Because, you know, these machines we can we can open up um won't give a plug to any particular news service, but but we can open up and we can read about, well, there's stage four lockdowns, new twist in Victoria's coronavirus restrictions. Uh, unfortunately, there's a plane crash. I will look at that one later. Um, we pray for people's lives in that. The Sunrise Star is furious at losing her TV role. This is all the news. Uh, China's terrifying new honey trap. Oh, I've clicked on one. Um, wasn't that one? Oh, it's all happening. Uh, let's switch, you know, switch channels then. Um, Kanye's apologized to Kim, apparently. Uh, if you're up on that one, um, we can turn to Facebook and it's actually called our news feed on Facebook, isn't it? It's the news feed. They want us to think about that as news. I think it should be called the news force feed, uh, in a sense, because it's force feeding you what they want to do. But there's actually something good on Facebook this morning. Um, I can click on this one. It's Yas Community Baptist Church is live. Uh, that looks like it's worth uh, tuning into. I can actually comment on that. I might say hello if you're watching at home. Uh, hello. 
YCBC. Love you all. The cool thing about that is with a 20 second delay, this comment will come up before they see what I'm doing. They think, what's happening? So what is in the news? Where do you get your news from? What kind of news do you focus on? And so through this series, I want us to think about a different form of news to focus on. Because I don't know about you, the news can get a little bit depressing and anxiety-inducing, and you know that's actually on purpose. They focus on the stories that will induce anxiety because those are the stories that keep us coming back because we need to know what's going to happen. And so I want us to think about a different kind of news. Uh, We're calling this series The Good News of Jesus, according to John. And so in our Bibles, in our, we have four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are often referred to as the four Gospels. That word Gospel just means the announcement of good news. And so we're focusing in this series on the good news according to John. And so I want to encourage us in this season to, it's not that we should be uninformed and that we should never see what's in the news in a here and now sense, but I want us to tune in more and more to the good news and not the news feed. These gospel, these these accounts, these good news accounts of Jesus Christ, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they each start them in a different way. Uh, Matthew starts with a genealogy. He wants us to know the human ancestry of Jesus because it's important that we know that Jesus is the son of King David. Mark dives straight in. He begins with a little prophetic snippet from Isaiah and then he dives straight into Jesus' baptism and his ministry and he's straight into it. You know, if it was a, if it was a TV series, you would think, oh, did I miss the first few episodes? Cause we're just boom, straight into the action. And you've got to catch up to find out what's happening on, happening. Luke provides an orderly account. And so he begins with the announcement from the angels of Jesus' birth and tells us in meticulous details the events of Jesus' birth and, and, and all the events that he can glean from Jesus' childhood, which isn't many and into his ministry. They all start in different places. John starts in the beginning. John starts with these words, in the beginning. Now, hands up, I can't exactly see you at home, but I will see you in spirit. Hands up if you, if you, if you think I've heard those words somewhere before. In the beginning. We've heard these words before, haven't we? This is what Genesis 1, 1 says, the very beginning of the scriptures say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so when John says in the beginning to begin his good news about Jesus, that is not a coincidence. It's not an accident. John is intentionally drawing your attention to the beginning, the very beginning beginning the creation event 
in the beginning. And so that's what uh, today's message is called. If you want to give it a, a title, if you take notes, if you want to put a heading on it, uh, there are the new version notes. It's already got this heading on it for you. Uh, the title of today is In the Beginning. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so for John's readers, uh, they, they would have expected him to say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But instead he inserts a new piece of information in there. This is about creation, because in, in verse 3 he goes on to tell us, uh, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. And so this is about that same creation event, but, but John wants us to see something new in it. In the beginning God created, but, but in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we need to pause here for a moment. This is perhaps one of the most profound and potent statements ever written in any language, in any age. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. Sorry, the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And so this is the good news about Jesus. And we don't have to read much further down to, to realize that this Word character that John is talking about is Jesus himself. But he doesn't use the name Jesus here because he doesn't want us to think about Jesus as born into human life. He wants us to think about who Jesus really is. And so he uses this word, word in Greek, it's logos, and uh, for the Hebrews, it, uh, for the Jewish people, the, the word of God had, had taken on such a profound meaning. For those that know the creation stories, it's with God's word that he spoke, let there be light, and there was. And so God's word is the element, the, 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 the means of God's creation. Uh, in, in Greek thought, Logos was the center of reason and understanding. And so uh, John is tapping into that as well as in the center of universe and knowledge and everything, Logos was it. And so he uses this word to describe Jesus before he was Jesus in flesh, so to speak. And so John says the word that is Jesus was with God. In the beginning. And so here beginning doesn't mean just at the start of things, like the word was the first thing that God created and, and, and then he created all else. Here in the beginning references eternity past before creation was even a thing. The beginning doesn't just speak of a moment, it speaks of an eternity before there were any moments. And he says the word Jesus Christ was with God in that beginning. The language uh, John uses here in Greek uh, isn't the language of becoming, it's the language of is. Or to put it from Jesus' perspective, am. As Jesus will later say in John's Gospel, I am. Before Abraham was, I am, 
Jesus says. And so there is no moment where Jesus has not existed as the eternal word. But John goes further. He doesn't just say that Jesus was pre-existent, that he, that he was there before there was anywhere to be, so to speak. He doesn't just say that he was with God. He says, and the word was God. Not that the word... Jesus Christ has some divine characteristics, not that he is some kind of uh, powerful person with angelic powers, but, but that fully and completely the word Jesus Christ is God and has always been. And so we have to pause here for a moment at these first few verses. And um, I was reflecting this week, I'm, if I was a braver preacher, I'd spend, you know, a 10-week series on the first couple verses of John. But um, I'm not confident in my capacities to contain your attention as such. That to say, this is a very potent passage and there's so much more in it than we'll touch on this morning. But we have to pause here for a moment because it's such a profound theological statement. It's such a potent statement, but but it's also the lens in which John wants us to read every other verse in his gospel, his good news about Jesus. He wants us to read every other verse through this lens. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and He was God. that he was with God in the beginning, that through him, through Jesus, all things have been created. And so when Jesus speaks, he's not just speaking like a prophet would speak with with the words of God filtered through a human uh, filter and spoken as, as well as they possibly could. When he speaks, it's not as if it's just a great teacher speaking. When he speaks, it's not as if it's just a, a great pastor or preacher or someone with a great degree of wisdom. When Jesus speaks, he speaks as God who has existed for all of eternity. That's the lens that John wants us to read the account of Jesus' human life and ministry through. When he acts, he doesn't just act as a a great worker of miracles, someone who who acts uh, with power that's not his own. He acts as God. When he comes... It's not just someone that God has sent out, like Isaiah says to God in in that great vision, if you're familiar with Isaiah's calling story. It's not just, here I am, send me God, and God's sending a human as his agent to go and do work in the world. When when Jesus comes, it is God himself, the pre-existent one, coming into the world. But John also wants us to understand that Jesus is fully God, but he's also with God. We don't see the Spirit show up fully in this passage, but but that later comes to pass that, that this is the bedrock of our understanding of who God is, that he is one God, but Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons. And so here's the action point. Here's Here's what we do with that. 
Sometimes we can uh, read a profound theological statement and it's like, well, that's, that's, that's great, but so what? What am I meant to do with that? Well, here is what we do with that, and I've already touched on it. But we read everything in John's Gospel with that understanding that Jesus is God. That Jesus is the fullness of everything that is God. But not just John's gospel. In fact, that is the lens through which we should read all of Scripture. That Jesus is God. And so John goes on to say more about this word, that uh, more about Jesus. He says in verse 4 and 5, you're following along in your Bibles, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so John says, Jesus is the pre-existent Word. He existed with God and as God from the beginning. And he says that he has life in him, that he's the creator, and he says that that life is the light. And so if we're, we're thinking about what's in the news, it's very easy to see that there is darkness in the world. When we, when we focus on the news, when we dwell on what's happening in our world, or, or even when we dwell on what's happening within us, it's, it's easy to, to feel like the darkness is overcoming. It's very easy to become overwhelmed, especially in this season. Perhaps you're wrestling with your own personal darkness right now. And, and so John, in this potent passage, declares this truth. Yes, there is darkness. Light, a light source is only visible and able to be determined where it's coming from in the midst of darkness. John acknowledges that, yes, there is darkness. But he acknowledges that there is a light and that is Jesus and that the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. For some of us, that's your take home today. For some of us, we're already home. We're sitting in our lounge rooms, in our jammies. For some of us, that is the truth for us to cling to this morning. The light. That isn't just any other light. The light that is Jesus, the eternal word of God, shines still into the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. No matter how bleak things look, no matter how deep your personal darkness, no matter how overwhelming the, the scenarios around the world are or your own life situation, right now we can speak and declare this morning this truth. The light of Jesus shines into your life and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot will not overcome it.
John goes on in verse 9, I'll skip a few verses and um, about the the declaration of John the Baptist about the light coming into the world. And, and then in verse 9, the Apostle John goes on and says, uh, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And so John is touching on the nature of this darkness. The the word he uses for world in the Greek is cosmos, which is almost always a negative in John's writing and in the New Testament. The cosmos is always almost always a reference to that which is broken and corrupt and decaying about the physical realm. And John intends that here he's not saying that that the light that is Jesus came into the world as he created it to be. He's saying he came into the cosmos, the brokenness of the world. The light shines into that world and because it's broken, because it's dark, not everyone sees Jesus as who he is. Not everyone recognizes him as who he is. He came to his own, he came to the Jewish people, God's chosen people, and even though he came to them, those who should have been most prepared to see the coming of the Lord, didn't receive him either. Yet, in verse 12, yet, all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. He gave the right. We could translate that word the authority. We we could translate that word the power. So Jesus gave you the right, the authority, the power to become a child of God. The world is in darkness, not all receive him, but to those who do, to to you and I who do, or if you have not yet, I encourage you to receive him, to believe in his name. He's given us the right, the authority, the power to receive a new identity as a child of God. The thing is, that's, that's Jesus' only identity and he's coming. He is the Son of God and, and, and so Jesus gives us the right, the authority, the power to be adopted into his relationship with the Father. He does that through his own sacrifice. He does that through removing the barrier that prevented us from coming into relationship with God, he takes on the penalty of sin that stood in our way. And so what does John want for us in response? I said he wants us to read everything through the lens that that Jesus is the pre-existent word with God and God. But, but what does he want for us from his good news about Jesus? Well, he says elsewhere that what he's written... He's written that we might believe. 
the purpose of this entire gospel, this entire good news story about Jesus is that you and I might believe in him. We're not going to be able to do every passage in John over the coming weeks, so I encourage you to um, immerse yourself in the reading of it. The book will always be better than the sermon if you dive into it deeply, just as a book contains so much more than a movie can ever do. I encourage you to dive into the book. But everything that John wrote, the, the miracles that he wrote about Jesus performing, the teaching that he wrote about Jesus, the, the, the way he describes Jesus' uh, sacrificial death and his resurrection, he, he wrote all of that so that you might believe in him. Not just believe in the history historical nature of yeah there was a Jesus man named Jesus and he did some stuff and like few people few credible historians would reject the notion that a man named Jesus existed in Jerusalem in the first century that's not the kind of belief that John's wanting us to embrace he wants us to believe in Jesus as God and it's when we believe in, in the Jesus that John describes, that the other gospel writers describe, that the Apostle Paul describes in his letters and Peter in his letters and, and all throughout the New Testament, when we believe in who the Bible tells us Jesus is, then we are given by Jesus himself the right, the authority, the power to become God's children. The greatest identity you could ever have. And so sometimes we, in the midst of darkness, might not feel a great sense of self-worth. And Steve's spoken about this a number of times and again a few weeks ago when he was talking about Jesus as the teacher. That's, that's the number one lesson we need to learn is that we are a beloved child of God when we believe in Jesus and receive him. And so whether you've made that choice in your life this morning or you've not, or whether you've made it but you don't believe that to be true about yourself, then then perhaps that's your take home this morning. If you believe him, if you receive him, then you have not just salvation but a new identity in Jesus. And then in verse 14, John continues. He, he's spoken about the eternal word in the beginning. He's spoken, in a sense, in metaphorical sense, about the light coming into the world and some believing it and some not, some receiving it and some not. And, 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 and what we've just spoken about, the authority to become children of God. And, and then he makes explicit what he's talking about. In verse 14, he says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. The eternal, the divine, the pre-existent one, the Word, the center of all logic and reason, the one in whom all things were created, the one in whom nothing exists without his creative power bringing it into existence. That one became flesh. The word John uses here for flesh in the Greeks is sarks. Sarks. It's a harsh word. It's not sucks. Sarks. In English, you would spell it S A R X. Sarks. 
And this word is so synonymous with our broken humanity, our sinful humanity, our weakness, our shame, our guilt, that for, for a long time many English translations, not here in John 1.14 of course, but in other parts of the New Testament would translate this word as sinful nature. And so this word that is so synonymous with how frail and broken and sinful we are as humanity is the very word that John uses for what Jesus became. He that was without sin, the creator of the universe, the eternal word, became sarks, flesh. We know clearly from the New Testament that he didn't become sinful. But he took on our brokenness, he took on our sin, so that for those who sarks truly means sinful nature, for those who that is us, flesh means to sin, he took on that very flesh so that you and I and everyone who wears that flesh can be set free from its brokenness. He took on our flesh so that he might redeem it. And so for those who have perhaps grown up in a church or been a part of a church or or, or, or had some sense of familiarity with uh, the birth of Jesus, Son of God, uh, the, the carols we sing at Easter, carols we sing at Easter, I better wrap up soon, my brain power is fading. The carols we sing at Christmas that this is this is God divine in, in human form. We might be familiar with this theology and, and as often is said, familiarity breeds contempt. What John wants us to understand clearly here is that Jesus didn't just appear like a human. He didn't just show up in human form. We can read all through the Old Testament that many uh, angelic beings, many uh, encounters with the Lord themselves were in a personified form and, and uh, that was, I guess, for our human brains to be able to comprehend that we were talking to someone. But that's not what's happening here with Jesus. Jesus didn't just show up appearing human-like. He became flesh. I don't have the words to comprehend or understand for myself, let alone communicate how greater how mind-blowing a truth that is. That in the space of 14 verses, John has wanted us to clearly understand that Jesus has existed for all of eternity. That he's present with God and at the same time God himself, that he is the one through whom all things have come into existence and yet he has put this flesh on. Not just put it on, but become it. And so as we read forward through John's gospel, we're to understand that he is 100% fully God. His divinity, his, his godness is not at all diminished in his becoming flesh. But we're also to understand that he's fully and 100% human like you and I. He became it. Not a pretty polished version of it but just like you and me, yet without sin. 
And so that's where the prophet Isaiah says, well, there wasn't anything about him to distinguish him. There, wa- there wasn't anything, you know, he didn't glow, except for perhaps after the Mount of Transfiguration. That's another story. But, but there wasn't anything about him that was different to anyone else around in a visible capacity that would have drawn anyone's attention to him to go, oh, that must be God, because he was so fully human. And it was necessary that he became fully human, that he might redeem all who were human. We're told by John that he was filled with grace and truth, that he revealed God's glory in verses 16 to 18. He says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so John's saying the law was given through Moses who was a man that was a means of God's grace, that was a means of having relationship with him, but we've been given a new grace upon that that came through Jesus Christ and truth came through Jesus Christ. And what he means by that is what he goes on to say here. He says no one has ever seen God. There was this moment in Moses' life, the, the one who God gave the law through, who said, he said to God, let me see your glory. He, he asked God, he'd had these experiences and encounters with God with a burning bush uh, and, and, and other encounters he'd had with God. And, and so he'd had more profound uh, physical encounters with the tangible presence of God than, than I've had and I perhaps... Um, you know, think, oh, I could, I could go for some of that, but, uh, but Moses wanted more. He said to God, show me your glory. But Moses came before Jesus and he could not stand and see the fullness of the glory of God and not be consumed. And so God kind of meets him, not really halfway, but um, the story goes that he hides Moses in a rock and he says, I'll put my hand over you. anthropomorphizing himself, that's a big word. Um, I hope it's appropriate. Um, He says, I'll put my hand over you. uh, And he says, can we translate it? You'll see the back of me. But essentially it is, Moses, you'll see the space where I was just after I was in it. And that's as close as Moses can get to seeing God. And so John says, well, no one has seen God. But the one and only Son who is himself God, that's Jesus, and the end is in closest relationship with the Father. And so he's going back to this understanding that, that Jesus is with God in close relationship, but he is himself God. He says, no one has seen God, but the one and only Son has made him known. And so John says, we've received grace and truth. The grace is uh, the salvation that Jesus came to bring through, through his own sacrifice. The grace is the empowering presence of God in our life, the equipping. Uh, he's graced us with all we need for life and faith. But he himself is the truth. The truth that Jesus brought was the complete revelation of God. And so... When John says we have seen his glory, he's referencing back to Moses. We didn't just see the shadow of his glory, the space where he once was. We looked at him and we saw his glory in flesh. For John, the the greatest manifestation of that glory is God himself on a cross dying for the sake of his own creation.
And so out of his fullness, out of the fullness of his grace and truth, we have received grace and truth. And so I began by asking, where do you get your news? What news do you focus on? What's in the news? We could ask, well, what's true? And sadly, especially a lot that's on our Facebook news force feed is not necessarily true. Sadly, uh, not everything that's on uh, particular news websites or even makes its way into print in a newspaper or even gets bound in a book is necessarily true. We know that just from watching the trajectory of the coronavirus, what we thought was true about it isn't true about it. We thought that masks apparently weren't necessary to wear, but now that, that's a good thing to do. And it's not that people have kind of flip-flopped, it's that as they research more, they discover more that is true. And so there's so much that we're just not sure what's true. When we look at the news, when we look at the world around us, but when we look at the good news when we fix our eyes upon Jesus, when we fix our eyes upon the good news of Jesus according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and others who have written about him, we see truth personified in its fullness. And so my encouragement is to take away that lens that Jesus is the Word with God and fully God as we focus on the good news of Jesus. My encouragement is to take away that declaration that no matter how dark life might seem for you at times, that the, the darkness has not, will not ever overcome the light. My encouragement is to take away that truth that, that through Jesus coming into the world, he has given you the power, the right and authority through belief and through receiving him by faith to become a child of God. But above all else, as we journey into this series, but not just, it's not about a sermon series, it's about life. I want to encourage you, perhaps, to tune out a little bit, not to be uninformed, but to tune out a little bit to what's in this news, or if you're old school and buy a, a paper newspaper, that's not a bad thing, but to tune out a little bit to that and tune in a lot to this good news, the good news of Jesus because that is, will, forever be truth. Jesus is truth as he fully reveals to us the nature of God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship him. Mm, Heavenly Father, we thank you for John. We thank you that in his latter years, after decades of reflection on, his, on the life and ministry of Jesus, that he took with the inspiration of your Holy Spirit the moment to write down these profound words. Father, I declare that my mind cannot fully comprehend the truth contained within. But I trust that my spirit, enabled by your Holy Spirit, can receive it anyway. So I pray this morning that the truth of Jesus would be revealed 
by your spirit to every heart, to every heart of those that can hear my voice right now or if they're listening to it later, if they're in the room or if they're at home, wherever they are, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, the truth of Jesus would be revealed to every heart. That we would comprehend in our spirit his divinity, his godness, and his humanity. That we comprehend in our spirit what it means to be your child through him. That though we might not see it with our eyes in this moment, that the light of Jesus is blazing and glorious and that the darkness will not overcome it. And Father, as we journey through this good news of Jesus and as we live our life of faith, I pray that you would enable us to not not to, to be uninformed but to tune out to an obsession with what's in the news, what's on the news feed. And may we tune in deeply and obsessively into the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, the pre-existent Word. Almighty God, the lover of our souls. And so I pray that this would be so now as we worship him in song that the Holy Spirit would just circle this room, would circle the homes where people are gathered and participating this morning, would, would circle the cars that people are listening to the podcast in, wherever we are right now, wherever we will be. I pray for your Holy Spirit's tangible presence right now, right now to come upon us. And so as the team sing, uh, we can't sing along in this building, so it's a perfect moment for us just to soak in that truth. At home, you are allowed to sing in your own home, but perhaps you'd like to just take a moment to just absorb these truths. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.